Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode 559 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 22nd of June 2021 as I record this. In today's show, I'm talking to Amit Gupta about pseudowrite.com, a writing tool built on top of GPT-3, a natural language generation engine. Now, I've talked about GPT-3 in a number of episodes now, so I'm not going to explain that. You can find them linked at thecreativepen.com forward slash future and a list of AI writing tools at thecreativepen.com forward slash AI writing. So I've had access to the GPT-3 beta for a while, but after initially playing with it and trying to figure it out, I found it wasn't useful enough to me and it was just too hard. It didn't, it wasn't fun particularly, it wasn't very useful. Uh, I could see some potential, but I just didn't have the ability to turn that into reality. So I stopped using it uh, and uh, it was just quicker for me to do my own thing. But then when I read about PseudoWrite in a New Yorker article uh, at the end of April, I was like, I've got to get into that. Because what PseudoWrite does is it's like a front end on GPT-3 with a lot more help and direction. And in this interview, Ahmet explains some of the functions like the describe function, which I love of twists, character generation, the wormhole text generator and more. And this is truly the first tool, sort of AI writing tool. And I've looked at lots of them. I've been playing with them for, what, six, eight months now. And this is the first one I've thought, this is great. It makes it fun. Look, I'm even smiling as I think about it because I enjoy using it. And uh, essentially, I'm using the describe function the most. And I do talk a bit about it in the interview, but essentially I, I'm say I'm writing a scene in a medical lab as I was this week and I can highlight medical lab and then click describe and it will give me uh, sensory detail, ideas for sensory detail like um, sight, smell, sound, taste, touch and metaphorical ideas. And then I can use that to kind of riff off uh, for my own writing. To be clear, I am not copying and pasting text directly from PseudoWrite, although that is possible. And we talk about that in the interview. I'm using it more like a writing prompt or like I use a thesaurus. You know, if I've got one word and I want to come up with other words, I'll go and use thesaurus.com and figure out you know, what other words. And so I'm using it this more as a writing prompt, another brain. And I actually now, my, my writing process <laughs> is that I open Scrivener, I open thesaurus.com and I open pseudowrite.com. That's how I start. And I am I also do a lot of research as I write. So for example, I'm writing, uh, you know, set in Canterbury Cathedral right now. And I'm always sort of googling architectural detail and stuff like that so I'm kind of creating my first draft from these different things but it's my words using other people's as ideas and that is completely normal part of the writing process uh, is riffing off ideas none of us are born with all these ideas fully formed we all take the input of our life and the research and all of this and we turn it into our own work so yeah you can watch a demo video from Armit on YouTube I'll 
I'll link to it in the show notes. And you can also apply for access to pseudowrite.com, the, the beta mention that I sent you, <laughs> because as uh, Armit said in the interview, and it's in the recording that you might get bumped up the queue uh, if you say that I sent you you get three days free trial to play around with it. So it's free to give it a go. And then you can uh, sign up. And I think it's very uh, reasonable amount per month to have it as a, a helpful writing tool. So the Alliance of Independent Authors posted an article today, actually, about practical and ethical guidelines around AI for authors. And I was kind of waiting for that article and also the video to to post this interview, which I've been sitting on for a few weeks. So this uh, AI um, article from Ally goes into the various aspects that impact writers and answers some common questions like, will AI make writers obsolete? obviously not. Uh, And also, there's so much competition, won't AI make it worse? Won't there be a tsunami of generated books? And uh, so the article goes into that, and also how an author might use AI. In terms of ethical guidelines, which I contributed to, the statement is, an ethical author, for example, would say, I edit and curate the output of any tool I use to ensure the text is not discriminatory, libelous, an infringement of copyright or other otherwise illegal or illicit. I recognise that it is my job to ensure I am legally compliant, not the AI tool or service I use. I declare use of AI and other tools where appropriate. And Orna talks about her experience with pseudo-write after initial scepticism. <laughs> And Orna writes poetry, literary, historical fiction and creative nonfiction. So it's certainly not a tool for techno optimists <laughs> like me. Um, and of course, you know, I, you don't have to be technical to give it a go. As I said, go look at the demo. So I'm actually really thrilled because I feel like I've been talking about AI and writing and all these futurist things for ages, but I haven't actually been using them in a practical way. And now I feel like PseudoWrite is the first tool I can practically use. Although, as I said, I'm being very careful not to copy and paste anything directly, but I will still run my manuscript through ProWritingAid plagiarism checker uh, just in case once I'm done. And of course, this is only the beginning. GPT-3, which uh, PseudoWrite is built on top of, is o- is over a year old now, or well, almost a year old. So they might even be releasing GPT-4 <laughs> sometime soon. But in recent weeks, the Beijing Academy of Artificial Intelligence released Wudao, a model 10 times the size of GPT-3. And Eleutha AI released an open source model similar to GPT-3, essentially a free model open source and able to be used in in a much more open way. And that will open up capabilities to many more applications. So as I said, this really is just the start. I'm so excited to see what comes next. And and I feel that uh, PseudoWrite has made writing more fun. because of the creative sparks that fly when you have something like another brain, obviously it's not a brain, but something like another brain next to you as you write. And I'll quote Armit from the interview. It's an invitation to transform, to remake ourselves, to leap forward in our creative process.
Now, I'm very interested in what you think after the interview, but I really would prefer it if you watched the demo or even better, gave the PseudoWrite beta a try because I feel like so many of the opinions about AI are built on what authors imagine it can do in some dystopian sense, not what it can do right now and how authors are actually using it right now. And when you use something, it changes your mind as to what's possible. Think about all the tools that help you in your writing life. I mean, I hilariously, I said to Jonathan when um, the first iPhones came out, you know, I was like, I'll never get a smartphone. I love my Nokia. <laughs> Remember those little Nokias with just basically text and phone, that's all you could do. And now I can pretty much run run my business from my um, my iPhone. <laughs> but um, in terms of just, you know, specifically my writing process, using uh, Scrivener as a tool changed my process. Using ProWritingAid changed my process. Vellum for formatting, um, doing uh, dictation and using Descript now is really a big deal for me. And for, for podcasting, Descript is incredible. It's changed so many things. So I feel like there are lots of tools that we use in our writing process. And to me, this is another one of them. So please leave a comment on this episode or tweet me at The Creative Pen or email me, Joanna at The Creative Pen. Let me know what you think. And if you're already using PseudoWrite or other AI tools, how are you using them in your creative process? So today's show is sponsored by my wonderful patrons who fund my brain and the time to think and record these types of extra in-between episodes. And uh, I did the Patreon-only Q&A this week. I did an extra 45 minutes of Q&A, um, questions asked by patrons on writing and craft and publishing and business and marketing and all that mindset and all the things. So if you would like to support the show with just a couple of dollars a month or euros or pounds or Canadian dollars, uh, you can and support the show and you'll get the extra audio at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen right let's get into the interview Amit Gupta is a science fiction writer and entrepreneur. He's the creator of PseudoWrite, an AI creative writing tool. Welcome Amit. Thanks Joanna, glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, before we get into the more technical stuff, tell us a bit more about you and your background in writing and technology and how it led you to creating PseudoWrite. Sure. So I've been involved in technology most of my life. Years ago, I started a company called Photo Jojo that was all about helping photographers be more creative and be more um, have more kind of playful fun with their work. And I sold that company several years ago and at that point decided to make more time for writing science fiction because it was something I'd always been interested in. In particular, I'm really keen to explore ways technology can improve our lives to push back against the dystopia that's become so common in science fiction these days. So when I was starting, that is when I met my co-founder, James. Uh, he had also been in tech, and we'd both independently left that world behind and both ended up writing science fiction, um, which was kind of fun to, to find someone else who's like on the same journey. So we ended up forming like a, a writing group with a few friends. We were all getting started around the same time, kind of dealing with the same issues like imposter syndrome and, you know, how do we do this? How do we learn how to do this from the ground up? And slowly but surely, we started getting better, uh, starting getting published in different places and nominated for awards and all this stuff. And then last year, when the pandemic hit, 
like so many people, we were looking for ways to both connect with others and also kind of to write our ways out of the confusing mess the world was in. And so it was around that time that a few of us started hosting this thing called Short Story Club, um, where we brought these prominent authors together uh, to raise thousands for social causes, COVID-19 PPE, stuff like that, which is all to say, like, I think we were all, I think we're all looking for ways to contribute to the writing community and eager to play with new ways of doing things. And when we came upon the idea of using AI in writing last year, it just felt like it could fit both of those things. And yeah, our early experiments were really promising. We started sharing what we were working on with some of the writers we respect in the field. And it became clear really quickly that there was something exciting here that could really benefit writers. So James and I started working on what became PseudoWrite back in August of last year, 2020. I've been trying it out in, in the beta and I love it. I'm also in the beta of, of the just standard GPT-3 and listeners know I've explained GPT-3 before, so we don't need to go into that technical side. But what was it, I guess, what did you see at this point that was different to before? Because obviously you've been in the writing space, the technology space. Ha- yeah. Was it that the that GPT-3 and the stuff that OpenAI is doing, is that the, was that the catalyst to it will work this time? Yeah, I think GPT-3 is definitely the the catalyst. I think it showed us that the technology had gotten to a point where it could really do something for writing that I think many of us had started to assume was true in all these other creative fields. Like you, you can't really be a photographer today without using digital editing tools. You can't be someone who makes video or someone who makes music without a vast array of tools that help you make the sound and the video that you are creating to execute on your vision. But as writers... We've really had kind of pen and paper, we'd have typewriters, we had word processors, but there was a very like steady migration from one to the other and the tools are basically the same thing. So I think with GPT-3, we saw that there was a potential for something that really leapfrogged what was possible for writers. Definitely. And I I totally agree with you. Um, So let's get into the tool and talk a bit about it. And very importantly, upfront, I want to say, because I feel like people have, as you mentioned, the dystopia, people have in their mind, oh, well, you just press a button and it will spit out a novel and it will replace all writers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It, It really isn't like that. So let's explore some of the features so we can help people understand what's there. So I've been playing a lot with the character generator, the describe Mm -hmm. function and the expand function. So I wondered if you would maybe uh, talk a bit about those functions. Sure. So the character generator is something we built for when you're getting started with a new uh, piece of work. And perhaps you've got an idea for one or two of the people who might inhabit this world. Maybe you know how the world works, but you don't know who else is going to be in it, how the interrelationships work and kind of what happens. So this is mainly a tool to help you brainstorm and to help you flesh out the world. You put in a few characters in in your world. You maybe describe their age or their physical appearance, their occupation, whatever else is relevant to those characters. And then Sudorite will take those and spit out uh, almost an infinite array of other characters who could also inhabit that world and also suggest interrelationships between the characters. I often, you know, will take bits and pieces from different suggestions and amalgamate something into a character I like, but the idea is really just to get your mind spinning and, and get you moving. And that's true for a lot of what we've built with Pseudorite. We see it as something like having a, a writer sitting next to you who you can spit ball ideas with and kind of get something good when you're stuck. So let's see, I think you mentioned the twists tool. The twist tool is pretty similar. 
Uh, oh, were you going to say something? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, on the character, I, I must say, because I've been having real fun. And I want to keep emphasising the word fun because I have been having fun with this. I just was like, oh, I'm going to add this to my character. Like you said, taking bits <laughs> and bobs. So I like started with three characters. And then as it generated more, I would add those things back into the original three and kind of mm-hmm. keep generating things. And I came up, like I say, I came up with, we'll come back to that. But uh, together, we came up with just some really cool things that I wouldn't not have thought of and I, I must say that for me I'm 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 strong in setting I'm strong in plot but for me this diversity of characters I I love this help so I wanted to say I think that's that's brilliant but yeah so you mentioned uh, twist let's do that next Oh, sure. So twists is, again, kind of similar to something that you might use at the beginning of the writing process, but also potentially if you're stuck in the middle and you feel like the work needs some kind of a twist or new life, um, you write, excuse me, you write a short description of the story that you have going, maybe a paragraph or so, and you hit twists and you can choose the genre. We have a few options right now, but we might add more in the future. And twists will basically look at that and try to come up with ways to send the story in a direction that you don't expect. This one's a little off the wall. Sometimes it'll do something really interesting. Sometimes it'll suggest something that makes no sense at all. That's something you'll discover as you start using AI tools in general for writing. They're, you know, they're trying to understand what you've written as best as they can, but sometimes they're going to miss what you're going for. But yeah, twists will will come up with some pretty interesting diversions to where you've taken the plot. And again, it's like having somebody next to you who's got a whole different set of experiences, a different life trajectory, who's potentially got something new to offer and something that it brings back will often spark a direction that you end up taking. And then uh, I want to talk about the describe function. There's this brilliant thing where it it covers smell. So explain (laughs) the describe because I'm just loving this. Yeah, so describes one of our most used features, and I love it because I often struggle with finding a way to describe very evocatively something that's, you know, person, place, thing, whatever. So basically, you highlight a word or a phrase, you hit describe, and Pseudorite will look at the text surrounding the phrase or the word that you've selected, and it'll suggest ways you could describe that word. And like you, you know, like you noted, it'll categorize its suggestions by the five senses, sight, sound, smell, etc., and even take a few attempts in giving a more metaphorical, poetic description. Yeah, I love that. And I I think of of it more like an expanded thesaurus. So I use a thesaurus a lot in my my editing past, really. It's sort of, okay, I've really overused that word or I need a better word. So I I often use a thesaurus, but to me, this describe function, exactly as you say, like, as I said, I'm terrible at smells. I, I just don't notice smells, but in order to bring our writing alive it's not just sight all the time and I love that it, it has all these different things and uh, I guess to be clear to people it doesn't just populate it in the text does it explain how it how we, how they have a choice yeah so whenever you use any of these functions in Sudoret, it'll show some suggestions on the right of the document so you can look at those you can run it a few times if you don't like what it's come back with and then typically people will like copy and paste a piece of it or just type out something that they're inspired by by what Sudoret has suggested so when i you know select something like the word prism in something i'm writing it's not going to just like describe the prison, put it in my text. It'll say a bunch of stuff along those five senses on the right side and something will inspire you that you might end up using. Mm, I was doing something earlier. I, I wanted some descriptions around eye drops because it, it's just fun to try different things. I was like, eye drops, seriously, how do you describe eye drops? 
and just to see what it came it was just fantastic stuff I just never would have thought of I think that's as you say it's like a different mind again we don't have enough language for this but it's like as you say sitting next to someone else who's got a different mind than you and Mm -hmm. then sort of picking and mixing from their brain yeah, exactly. And I think what you mentioned a, th- a thesaurus, and I think one of the interesting things about the describe feature is it is very similar to a thesaurus, but it has more context because it has the work around the word or phrase that you've selected. So it can try to narrow in on what what the def- what the word is that you're really looking for. And then the other thing that's interesting is the expand function, which I can see is a great for outliners, but also I, I'm not an outliner. I'm a discovery writer, but I'm finding that I am almost outlining in order to see what it will expand. So explain that one. Oh, interesting. Okay. So expand is for people who, uh, and by the way, I say this is this tool is for people who this or this tool is for people who that. But of course, people use these in all sorts of different ways that we didn't imagine. But initially, we thought expand was for people who perhaps struggled with that first draft, just getting something out that could be terrible, could be rough around the edges. But once it's sketched out, it's easier to edit and to make better. And that's definitely me. I love editing. I love revising. But I feel a lot of inertia when I start. So with span, with expand, you can summarize your scene characters, plot, setting, whose point of view it should be, whatever is important. And Sudarite will attempt to write a very, very rough first draft of it. You may not love it. It may go in a completely different direction than what you imagined. But And even if you love it, you'll need to revise it. But it'll help you get started and kind of get rolling. Yeah, I really, that is helping me change my thinking around mini outlining and uh, I'm just working on a short story at the moment that's what I'm testing on but for people listening I I want them to get the sense that there are lots of different tools within pseudo right so it's not just one thing but I guess one of the things that is what the main GPT-3 is which is this text generation Uh, so you've called it the wormhole (laughs) so explain why you called it the wormhole and what that actually (laughs) does. Yeah, well, the reason we called it the wormhole is because we're obviously science fiction writers and we like to think of it like we're going into the multiverse and asking five parallel versions of ourselves to write what comes after what we've written so far. So how it works, basically, you've, you've started something, you're writing something, you're in the middle of it, and you get stuck. And we want to help you get unstuck. So when you hit wormhole, wormhole will look at everything that you've written so far or as much of it as it can manage to look at. And it'll try to understand the voice of the piece, the characters in it, the plot arc, the character arcs, whatever it can discern. And then it'll try to continue from where you've left off. And it'll only do a few paragraphs or so from where you left off. And it'll give you five different options for where you could go with it next. But people have been pretty surprised by how interesting and uh, useful the, the responses can be and how closely they can mimic both like the voice and the structure of what you're writing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it is not just uh, press a button and out comes a thriller uh, at all. It's like you, you put in 500 words or how many words do you have to put in for the wormhole? Uh, I think at least 100, but the more the better. Yeah, so you put in a couple of hundred words and then you compress the wormhole and it will continue your writing using your voice. But again, um, as you say, it's like a first draft. It needs work. It might not be anything at all based on what you want. I also love, because I'm a bit of a darker writer, you have a mood, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
yeah, we have a few different tones you can choose, whether it's more ominous or extraordinary or whimsical uh, with varying results. It can be a fun way to kind of mix up what you're doing. Yes, I've been using the ominous, <laughs> the, <laughs> the ominous tone, which is, which again is, is really fun. So I'm, I also think, and this, because I've been playing with GPT-3 for a few months and I, I found it very difficult. Obviously what you've done is built a tool on top of the engine. So you've got like a front end with all these different ways of using it, which I, which is why I think this is so fantastic. But one of the interesting things is, is the quality of the input prompt makes a huge difference to the output. And I felt like I had to really change my brain to understand this. So what are your tips for the best prompts or inputs to get the best out of PseudoWrite? Yeah, well, definitely, like you said, garbage in, garbage out. And if you put in something beautiful, Pseudorite will will try its best. I think figuring out how to use tools like this is going to become part of the creative undertaking. No two people are going to use it the same way. And we're so early in figuring out how to use tools like this. And so I think the best way to learn and the best way to figure out how to use it is just to tinker. There's no wrong way to do it. And the people who take time to play with this technology as it evolves, they're going to figure out the best ways to use it. Um, to give you just a, just one example, we were talking about the character generator, which is obviously there to help you create new characters in your work. But we have writers in our beta who've also used it by giving it lists of imaginary places and descriptions of those places. And then the character generator will come up will we'll create new places in the world. And they've used it for like magical spells where they tell, uh, where they give Pseudorite a few examples of spells, what goes into those spells, how they're made, who they affect, how long they affect those people. And then Pseudorite will go and invent a whole mess of additional magical spells that they can potentially choose from. You know, your imagination is the limit. And I think that's kind of the, the challenge here. You need, to, you need to imagine it for Pseudorite to help you with it. Yeah, exactly. And and I was just thinking there that's kind of here are three things. Now give me a fourth and a fifth and a sixth thing that are similar to the first three things. That's really what you're talking about. So I love that people are using it for different things other than characters. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fantastic and what I I mean I think what I started with and probably many people will is sort of copying and pasting our own writing from published work for example into into pseudo and then using it to play with instead of starting from scratch that's mm-hmm. that's how I've been playing with it I guess yeah yeah that makes sense yeah that's a good way to play with it and I think one of the other ways with this is a little bit harder to figure out when you're getting started but one of the other ways to play with it is to again, think of it as somebody who's sitting next to you and you're brainstorming with. So a few months ago, I was working on a short story and I had actually finished it and I had sent it out to some friends for critique. And one of the pieces of feedback I got was that the main character felt a little flat. And so I tried to figure out how I could fill out this character um, using Pseudorite. And so I tried to give Pseudorite the amount of background I might give to a friend who hadn't read the story. So I gave them a little summary of the plot, who the characters are. And then I said, here are the characteristics that make this person unique according to her. Like she was an Indian American, so her Indian American heritage. And I hit wormhole after that. So story description, and then just kind of like an outline format of the uh, character traits I saw in this person. And Wormhole then filled in those character traits and gave me like a selection of a few dozen things that I could potentially use. And then from that list, I actually ended up choosing a couple of things that I thought did make sense for the plot, did make sense for that character, and which I hadn't actually thought of myself. Uh, Despite being Indian American, they hadn't occurred to me. 
Mm, yeah, exactly. Haven't occurred to us because our brains have been trained in inverted commas with our experience and the books we've read. And what we've got here is this powerful engine, uh, which has got a lot more training, I guess, from all of these works. Uh, and so you're, you are accessing something that will never be exactly like you, which is the kind of magical thing. But I also, yeah. I, I know people listening, like there are obviously... Uh, well, let's talk about copyright. Okay, so <laughs> first of all, with copyright, I mean, you mentioned there a short story. What are the copyright ramifications with using text that PseudoWrite creates? Sure. So it's a good question. We, as a company, don't claim any copyright over anything that PseudoWrite generates. So if you're using it as a writer, anything that comes out of it is yours to use. That said, we strongly recommend everyone treat it as a rough first draft and use it as inspiration, not for a final material. And I think that's that's how you're going to get the best work out of it. But that's also just like for your own peace of mind. That said, we have looked at, you know, on many occasions taken, we've taken particularly delightful lines or passages the suitor suggested, run them through plagiarism detection software, search for them online, and we haven't found any matches. And just by virtue of the way the software works right now, it's non-deterministic. Every time you run it, it comes up with something new. It's very unlikely that you'll end up getting someone else's work. And we've never seen it happen, but who knows what could happen. So we always want people to treat this with caution. And the final version of the product will probably have some sort of plagiarism detection in the app just in case. Yeah, I, I agree um, with that. I think I, and I, I guess another question would be, what uh, responses there from publishers, if any, as in, I know there was something in the, was it the New York Times or somewhere in a, uh, a short story New Yorker, written, yeah. the New Yorker, mm -hmm. right. So they knew that Pseudo White was involved, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any yeah, I think problems there you see? We haven't come across any. That's not to say that there couldn't be in the future, but we have had authors start to submit work and we don't have a general guideline about whether or not they should, we should say that it was something they wrote in Sudere. Of course, we're thrilled if they do, and some of them have said that. So I think we had one of our writers publish a poem in Strange Horizons, which is a speculative fiction magazine, yesterday, which was really cool to see. Uh, and the author of that New Yorker piece, yeah, as you mentioned, had also published some fiction. So we're hoping we'll see more and more fiction in collaboration with Sudere start to come out. But yeah, we haven't heard of any publications specifically saying they're in support of it or not in support of it. I think eventually stuff like this, because it's something that helps inspire the work and develop the work, not so much create the work, it'll start to feel like a spell check or a grammar check. And I think it would be, it wouldn't feel right if, if I wrote something and said, oh, this was spell checked by Microsoft Word or something. It just doesn't matter. And I think we'll probably get to the same point with software like this. Yeah, I I'd agree with you at the moment. But mm -hmm. as you said, we're very early in yeah. this and right now definitely playing with pseudo right as you said there are some terms of phrase and some interesting ideas but it's going to turn into my work if I gave you the stuff I had, had taken from it you would write a different story even though the sort of input was the same I guess we don't know where it will go but then uh, coming back to photography because of course you that was your first bu business mm -hmm. with photography you still need a raw photo that you then manipulate in some in software right so I yeah. feel like with AI writing we will always direct the creative experience 
Yeah, I think that's right. And similar to photography, given a, a landscape, given a subject, everyone's going to interpret it in a different way. Even though you imagine photography is just taking this device and pressing the shutter, there's so much more to it. And I think the photographer's task is really to execute on their creative vision with the tools they have available. And no two photographers are going to take the same picture. And the same is true here. I think that the writer's job is to to identify the thing that's worth writing about, to bring their humanity to it, to bring the emotional pathos and the feeling to it. And that's not something that a device can do, but hopefully it's something that they can, that can help them with it and maybe take some of the harder drudgery work out of it. Mm. Yeah, and I guess um, just coming to some of the other issues, some people, I mean, I've had emails from people saying it's unethical to use mm -hmm. AI writing tools or it's cheating somehow or it will result in a tsunami of crap <laughs> generated yeah. books on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, so I'm sure you've heard all these objections. What are your thoughts on those? Sure. I want to respond with a parable, but I'll also try to respond to each of the questions. There's this uh, parable of the wise man and the village. So one day a young woman goes to the wise man because the village river is flooding its banks for days longer than it has ever before. And she's worried. And she asks the wise man what they should do. And the wise man says not to worry. The river always floods its banks this time of year. And it will, he says, eventually recede. So the young woman goes away, still worried. She learns how to build a small boat, just a a floating platform really. And she starts to use it to float supplies from one end of the village to the other. A few days later, the waters recede. But a year later, the rivers flood again. And this time, water enters the village. At one point, it's rising several inches above the ground. And the young woman goes again to the wise man and asks him what to do. And this time the wise man invites her into his hut and he shows her how he's made a hole in the ground, a hole in the wall, and he's dug this trench. So the water flows through his home now and he takes a spear and he thrusts the spear into the stream running through his home and lifts the tip before her eyes. And there's a fish flapping at the end of the spear. This flood is a blessing, he says. So the young woman leaves and she decides to build a sailboat. She sails away. And one day, many, many years later, she returns. And this time she's on a much larger boat with many more people. She finds her village submerged in deep water and the wise man sunning himself on his rooftop. The waters, they've risen so far, he can't stay inside anymore. So he sleeps on the roof, fishes on his roof, spends his days in the sun on his roof. But all these years later, he's thrilled when he sees her because, you know, he likes her. It's been a long time. He asks her where she's been and she invites him aboard the boat. So he climbs up onto her ship and she tells him of the distant lands she's seen on her boat, the strange and wondrous people she's met and the stories of their village that she's brought to these people on those lands. And the wise man is pleased and he joins her on the voyage. What does all this mean? Um, well, we all know change is inevitable. Everything's always changing. We're always changing. And we're incredibly adept at adapting to change. It's just something humans are good at. Um, we can take 
the new and we can form it around ourselves. We can overcome the obstacle and even derive some small benefit from it. And so many of our stories are about this too. They're about obstacles and how we adapt to it, how we changed around it and become better people as a result of it. But if the change is big enough, I think it's really an invitation to transform, to remake ourselves, to, to leap forward. And I think writers have that opportunity today. That was great. I love that story. And yeah, it, it reminds me, and I've quoted Kevin Kelly many times on this show, but he says, you'll be paid in the future based on how well you work with robots. And of course, robots, AI, um, technology, I guess. And like you said, it's a leap forward. I, I love that. And and also, you're right, we haven't had enough technological change really helping us with the creative process. And I feel like the music industry and film and photography and all these other areas are way ahead of us. So it's fantastic that we're finally getting something. <laughs> I know it's so exciting. I think I feel like the future is so bright for writing. Oh, I'm so glad you feel that because I do too. And I guess that we are techno optimists, aren't we? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, yeah. is, it is tough. Um, okay, so I do have a couple of other things. So obviously you're you're excited. You mentioned, for example, I think the what ifs or the, the twists are only certain genres. So what are you looking at developing next within PseudoWrite? And I guess, when will it be out of beta? Ah, yes, the eternal question. Well, there's all sorts of features we're looking at, and I think we draw a lot of inspiration from the community as well. I think outlining is something that people have asked us for, so it's something you can do today using Wormhole, but it's something we'll probably build upon in the future. And as you noted, genre support in different uh, tools is probably something we'll add as well. But we're really trying to play it by ear and just watch what people do with it, see where they run into trouble with our work and how Sudoray can help. Mm, so really just seeing how it how it goes. And one of the things I'm really interested in, so obviously uh, we assume, obviously we don't know, but GPT-3 is trained on, I guess, publicly available words. It's not meant to have works in copyright, although who knows. <laughs> but what would be interesting, I think, is to fine tune a model with works in copyright. So for example, um, I write action adventure and a, a number of other mm-hmm. indie action adventure authors authors uh, would be interested in putting all our novels into a corpus, for example, and using it to fine tune some kind of version. Now, I know that some authors have done this with GPT-2 and the new Eleutha AI, GPT-Neo, I think it is called. But what what do you think about this idea of fine tuning uh, the model for PseudoWrite? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And when we were getting started, uh, I remember we showed this to uh, Ken Liu and Robin Sloan, and they had both experimented with using, uh, I think Ken was using GPT-2, I don't remember what Robin was using, but they'd both experimented with taking their own work and, as you said, training the model to help them tell their stories in their own voice more quickly. Uh, I think it's super, super interesting. And we've been talking a little bit about photography. My first thought is that it's like those kind of filter packs that photographers will sometimes sell to help others achieve similar effects to their own work. There's a lot of potential, not only to like create your own work more quickly, but to help other people 
get off the ground, get started more quickly with developing work similar to yours. Unfortunately, today, that's not something Cedaria can do. And the tech we're building on right now doesn't allow us to fine tune our model. But I think it's super interesting for development in the future. And I'm hopeful that not only for writers individually, but maybe even for teams of writers working within like a shared universe that could be a useful tool um, that's aware of everything that's been written in the world and is able to help you write in a way that's consistent. Or you could even imagine like writing rooms for TV shows, uh, wanting something similar for writing episodes that are again, consistent within the world of the show uh, and take some of the, the work off the research required to make sure things are kept consistent. Mm, absolutely. And what about coming out of beta? And if people are interested in, in joining, um, how's that going? Yeah, so we're slowly letting people in. We just want to be careful. It's As you've seen, it's it's pretty rough around the edges at this point, and we want to make sure the product is useful. So when people arrive, that it's something they know that they can actually benefit from. But we're letting new people on every day. Uh, if anyone wants to sign up, they can go to sudorite.com, which is S-U-D-O-W-R-I-T-E.com and sign up and uh, we'll ask a few questions when they do that. And if they mention that Joanna sent them to us, we'll try to bump them to the front of the list. <laughs> Thank you so much. So just one final question, obviously AI and technology is much bigger than just writing. And I always remind people of that. It's like, yeah, there's a lot more going on. It's not just AI and writing, but what are the other things you're excited about in terms of how authors and other creators can use AI and other technologies? Like what do you see coming over the horizon I mean, we might have GPT-4 soon and who knows what GPT-10 will be doing or any other things you're excited about. Yeah, for sure. So GPT-3 is definitely like very text focused. And I think the future of GPT-3 is is largely text, but the company that's developing these models, OpenAI, has also experimented with image and sound models. So I think it's going to be really interesting in years to come as these models Uh, both get better and you're able to integrate them with each other. So you could imagine trying to develop music for the first time as somebody who's never made music or someone who's never made a movie trying to author a story that's then, uh, at least in rough form, created through multiple AI models, both the video and the sound and help with the writing. So I feel like there's just so much potential to help people tell the stories they've always wanted to tell, the stories they need to tell, uh, using tools that bring this to any person's uh, desk. Yeah, I think that multimodal idea, the sort of like your describe function is highlight a word and it will generate some more words. But if you could highlight um, a a section and it would generate music to go with your section or or generate Mm -hmm. video or other modalities, I guess, I think, uh, as you say, there, there are really interesting ideas in that way. And and we are so early. When do you think this might be more mainstream? You know, at the moment, we've got tools like Grammarly and Pro Writing Aid, which a lot of authors now use and Scrivener, for example that a lot of authors use and have been around for like a a decade really when do you think this type of uh, tool will become more mainstream I think it's going to happen in bits and spurts and we really won't almost notice as it happens like even today you can go onto the app store and you can download apps that will help you create music from your voice and from your creativity in ways that we couldn't at all five years ago or even a couple years ago so I think these little pieces will develop independently as for when they're all tied together and I can just imagine a full feature film and have it spring to reality through a single tool 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it's sort of like self-driving or we always think it's right around the corner, but it's just not here yet. I, it's hard to predict. Yeah. And it's funny because you think you're expecting X and Y turns up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You never know which direction it'll actually go. That's true. Exactly. Like, for example, I was interested in blockchain last year, but NFTs just suddenly... Mm-hmm. you know just appeared almost out of nowhere but yeah. then you find out that some musicians and artists have been using nfts for years it just suddenly became more mainstream yeah yeah exactly yeah well brilliant that was so interesting Armit. so just tell people one more time where they can find pseudo right sure it's uh the website pseudorite.com s-u-d-o-w-r-i-t-e.com fantastic thanks so much for your time Thank you, Joanna. This was a lot of fun. So I hope you found the interview with Armit useful and that it has given you some things to think about in terms of AI writing tools and what might come in the future. Ideally, as I said, please watch the demo video or give the beta a go because the practical use of the tool might change your mind as to whether you might use it or other things as they emerge. Please leave a comment on the episode or tweet me at the creative pen or email me joanna at thecreativepen.com and let me know what you think or if you're already using AI in your creative process. So back to the usual show on Monday when I'm talking about writing humour with Scott Dickers, co-founder of The Onion and author of books like How to Write Funny and How to Write Funny Characters. And this is definitely one of the topics I struggle with. (laughs) And Scott is just, it's a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed it. So I know you'll enjoy it even if you don't intend to write humour. As I said, you know, I I don't write humour, but we all need some levity in our writing. So happy writing. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.